welcome to another episode of Cookies and Cream. Uh, as always, my name is Raymond. And this is Isaac. And today we're going to talk about healing. All right, so with us today, we got a special guest, and I'm so happy to announce um, he was a pastor, now he's an evangelist, um, Glenn Puglisi. And um, Pastor, uh, welcome. I don't know if you could give us a little, I guess, synopsis of what's going on, what you've been doing uh, this past year, year and a half of uh, your overview. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, good morning. And uh, uh, last year, year and a half, well, launched into this element of ministry kind of unofficially, July 2019, but I say officially October when we really got on the road and and uh, started kind of getting things going, and then COVID hit. It was a, a nice trying period for everybody, and uh, about four months or so with pretty much no ability to do any preaching, and have gotten back on track uh, in August. Things picked up real well, and have had a good ending of the year. Just got back from California preaching, and uh, looking forward to hopefully a, a, a productive 2021. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. It's already the end of the year. Christmas is a week away. That's crazy. Um, Pastor, the biggest thing um, I guess we want to talk about today is, is healing, how that is such a big aspect on um, the Bible, the Word of God, Jesus coming, um, setting people free from sickness, disease, and stuff like that. And um, we know you are... I guess, kind of the person people go to for healing stuff or for prayer. And so I want to talk to you about that aspect of your ministry, how that played a part in, I guess, your your life first off, also with seeing people healed and stuff like that, and then also in your ministry. And the biggest thing is um, I wanted to ask is when was the first time you saw like a memorable healing or memorable i guess deliverance from something that was bothering somebody even even as like a disciple that you're like you know what that's something that i really want to tap into or something that i want to contend for yeah you know i don't think it was ever a conscious uh moment or decision that took place um to say a memorable healing i really don't have one that comes to mind in particular um and I can't even say it was a particular thing that sparked something in me. I think it was just something that was already there when I got saved. Um, you know, there's always been uh, in me just a, just kind of a hunger for the supernatural. And, um, you know, watching Pastor Mitchell early in my salvation and his energy and healing crusades, and it just became a part of something that drove me. And so, yeah, as a new convert, I could tell you a lot of, uh, and even as a disciple, a lot of stories of things that were demonstrative, supernatural. There was one, and this wasn't like a defining moment, but, and I can't prove it, but <laughs> um, it, it was a potential raising from the dead, and it was early on in our salvation. And it was, uh, uh, we were out preaching at Scenic Drive one night on a Saturday, probably after midnight now, we're on our way back through Central, and uh, a guy had gotten hit by a car, and he's laid out, and he's face down in a 
full of his own blood and there's no movement, there's no signs of life. People are gathering around. And our instinct, there was four or five of us disciples, our instinct was just right then, pull over, jump the curb, hop out, break through the crowd, lay hands on the guy. You know, we didn't even think twice about it. It wasn't even a, what if God doesn't do it? It was just an instinct. And whether the guy was truly clinically dead or not, I don't know. We didn't check his pulse, but he got up from that pool of blood in that moment and just started walking away. So it's it things like that that just fanned the flame of, uh, you know, of the, the desire to see God do things. I can say that, you know, what may have started with a lot of not understanding and it was just a compelling and a zeal you know, it's changed into more of a ministry of compassion, which I can talk about more as we go forward in the conversation. When did you come on staff for El Paso? That was uh, 2000, 2009. 2009. So uh, I remember when you first came on staff, like, um, you know, you did do a lot of healing sermons and a lot of, but it seems like over the past few years, it's been ramped up. Um, you know, you've kind of like just, you know, really, uh, gone that route um, in your ministry. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same, but um, like, why do you think that God um, and then when Jesus Christ came on on the earth, why do you think healing was a big part of of a supernatural element of just you know the evidence of healing? Why do you think it was healing per se? Well, it's who God is. It's God's nature, and so healing isn't something God does. It's something He is. He's a healer. It's His the essence of God. And so, you know, healing went all the way back to the Old Testament. But, you know, you think about the um, ministry of Christ, and he, he mentioned himself, the anointing was upon him, heal the, heal the brokenhearted, uh, set the oppressed, and ultimately healing was part of that ministry. Uh, that's what afflicts humanity. Uh, healing is uh, is a way of getting people free, but it's who God is, and that makes you understand why he does what he does. And when you understand that, it changes a lot because you don't have to twist God's arm on this. I think we we complicate faith and complicate healing because we don't really understand who God is and how willing and eager he is to extend his hand. And the other part of it is it does demonstrate God on a level that people uh, can see him at work. You know, healing is obviously uh, a work of the supernatural. It's not something man does. You know, and you mentioned, you mentioned, if I don't mind, if you don't mind me mentioning or talking about what you just said, you said you saw it ramp up in me at a point. And the reason that happened, and I mentioned it in the testimony I gave, that, you know, early on in my salvation, this was a big part of how I functioned. And then when I began pastoring, you know, I was very green. There was a lot I did not have going for me in the ministry. I, I was not your natural pastor type that just had it together, knew what to do. I was lost. But one thing I did have going was this desire for healing, deliverance. And uh, early on, that was like a profound part of my pastoring. But, you know, kind of the middle years, it, it faded off a little bit. I kind of got disconnected from it. And so when I was in El Paso, it was kind of a twofold thing. One, God just started revisiting that point in my life and rechallenging me. But then that was coordinated with him dealing with me to go into evangelistic ministry, which would 
feature that more. And so that's why you saw it shift a gear. When um, you're talking about, I guess, that is God's, that's who he is, brings healing. Like when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, I guess that made man fall. And now it's God's all restoration power of how to bring us back to make heaven our home. In the healing aspect, are there certain things that, I guess, as a pastor, like you said, um, in your ministry, you wanted to get, I guess, better at is there steps you can take as a pastor yeah, to yeah i think i think there are uh, i don't because we have to be careful here not to make it seem like it's something we do it is but it isn't we do in the sense we cultivate faith you know the more we understand human nature and sin and how it affects people definitely helps but god is obviously the healer god is the deliverer we're just the vessel but it's like anything else like any other thing you do in life, you know, you invest yourself in it to get better. Well, you know, one of the things I've done, and we've been so blessed beyond measure is having Pastor Mitchell with us all those years. You know, I don't know how most people approach Pastor Mitchell in a healing crusade or a moment. I I looked at it as a, a moment of study. When he said, watch, I watched. I literally studied his every move, the little things he would say, why, and I'm just trying to glean anything. So over the years, I mean, that, to have that at our access is just unbelievable. Somebody that can teach you hands-on. I've probably read his healing book, I don't know how many times. Yeah, that that's obviously the beginning one. I mean, I had that one for years and read it, wore it out, gave it away, and then got another one. Uh, still use it today as a, a reference, but you know, you extend beyond that. Like for instance, when I knew I was going to go into the evangelistic ministry, and I knew that a big part of this was going to be healing and deliverance. Um, like pastors will always ask me when I go preach for them, "So what are you reading now?" Well, probably nothing exciting for them. It's all healing books. It's all delivering book deliverance. And I go to the old time uh, type of of preachers that that was their thing. And you read because you're going to get an insight from them on a lot of the ins and outs of, of how we can be vessels that can connect with people better on that level, promote faith better. You know, uh, what are things we need in our lives, you know, consecration levels, et cetera. And so, and then there's a, another guy that does a lot. What pastor Mitchell does, his name's Henry Wright. And he does it to a real extreme. Uh, and, uh, you know, I use him as a lot of reference as well. So, yeah, you, you get better at it, number one, by doing it. Pastor Mitch has always taught us, you can do anything I can, you know. And uh, you just got to take that serious and then step into it. And you learn by doing it mostly. It's like any other job. Yeah, I remember I remember when, when you were kind of, when you, got me under your wing you took me to actually one of pastor mitchell's healing crusades i forgot where it was at yeah tucson we drove we we drove over there and um i remember seeing you and that you would you were just watching everything that he did and that made i guess kind of an impact on my life because you know even growing up as a church kid it's something that you not see all the time but you get used to you get familiar and you're like god like you kind of get at least for me, I got skeptical, like, oh, what is, but that was the first healing crusade I've ever gone to. Wow. And yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and it made an impact in my own life because I'm like, man, this is something 
that you're studying and then these people are are really needy like i never saw so many people and i think it was in a tent i was like this is this is it was a, a whole nother dynamic than a service is a is a healing crusade yeah um yeah and i guess along those lines i'll jump to my third question because um like like Raymond was saying, like I'm a church kid as well. Like I've been in church my whole life. So I've seen healings. Um, I've also seen people that, you know, they strive for healing and they don't get healed. And like they're still saved, you know, they're they're saved, you know, they don't backslide or they don't leave church or anything. But um this would probably take a long time. But I guess what's your view on okay, this person wants healing, but they don't get healed. Is there sometimes, you know, God's just not going to heal a person? Like, how, what's yeah, your yeah, view? That, you know, that's what they call the million-dollar question. Uh, you know, one time I, anytime I got Pastor Mitchell alone, I would I would always be assigned the 4 o'clock in the morning pickup to take him to the airport. So I figured, let's make this worth it. And I would always talk about this subject with him because I knew he would more than be willing. And so... I asked him one time, and I and I brought it in in reference to my father, who uh, had Parkinson's for twenty four years, and um, and Pastor Mitchell said two things to me. Number one, he says, "We're he says you you function in the dispensation you're given." In other words, right now the dispensation we have is not where it was in Jesus' day, the outpouring. Um, he goes, but. My anticipation is that it will be, that the day is going to come where all will be healed the way it was in Jesus' day. And the other thing he said to me, because I was asking about Parkinson's, and he says there are a lot of real complexities in a disease like that. And so what he was saying uh, is is that there are things, sometimes they're deeper than our our ability to tap. And so we're always learning. So I would say a couple things on that front, you know, we know that there is an occasion in Jesus' ministry, Jesus himself, that he could not get every, as a matter of fact, the majority didn't get healed in that one setting because the familiarity, the way they viewed him, there wasn't a faith there, and so very few got healed. So we know that faith is the major issue. But you have to be careful with that because you go saying that and it's to assume that everyone doesn't get healed, it was because of their faith, and, and that's not always fact. The other area, and again, Pastor Mitchell taught us this, and we just have to take it further, is the root issues of people's lives. And this one is hard. Uh, And figuring this out all the time is not easy. If it was, we would really be proficient at it. But, you know, we're spiritual in our makeup, so there's spiritual issues in our lives. Uh, there, There are, okay, from the moment we're born, even from the moment we're conceived, there are things that are affecting our lives. A, a child that's in the womb is is affected by whether it's a mother's emotions, things going on, traumas. They're affected. So you're talking about a human being. Let's say you get them at 20, 30, 40 years old. They've already got all this life under their belt. You don't know them from Eve or Adam. And, uh, and you've got to begin to dig in and assess where they're at. Things get folded into the human Spirit, things you go, like I can give you an example, you know, rejection. That's probably the biggest sermon I preach on the road that gets the greatest results because that's where people live. It's a deep subject where people have been in life. And so all of those things affect healing. 
because they open the door for sickness and disease. You know, our immune system is affected by all these things. And there's constant bombardment that then allows weakness for disease. And so figuring all that out and tapping it, getting people to be honest, and then getting people to believe, uh, there's so many factors that, you know, some are going to get healed and some are not, you know, uh, and, you know, we, like Pastor said, we have to, we have to live in the dispensation. Doesn't mean we're not contending for greater. I, every time I walk out of a revival meeting at the end and I assess it, the one thing I'm usually the most, uh, um, kind of looking at and saying, boy, I wish I would have seen more is always the healing. It's always the healing. It's like, man, I would have wanted to see more. Because you pray for so many people and, you know, you see a small amount of them get healed. And we're not downplaying that at all. That's still a miracle. But it's something we just had to keep contending for. Try to, okay, I'll give you an example. I don't, don't let me go over on time on you. But so I'm in Tempe preaching. And the first three services, you know, I contend in different ways for healing. And it just wasn't really clicking. And I'm getting vexed. I'm like, what is it about this? And so uh, the next night I decided, okay, we're going to dedicate that service strictly to healing. We have to see a breakthrough. And so I preached on the blood of Jesus. I made a statement in the opening. This service, I want you to hone in. This is about physical healing. And uh, we pressed into that. We engaged. And by the end of that service, I mean, there were people getting healed left and right all over the assembly. So there's another element there. That's on us creating, as Pastor Mitchell always did, created the environment and stirring the faith and getting people in that mode. So there's a lot to it. I wish I had a straight A, B answer, but it's just where we're at right now. Yeah, no, and that, that's that's good because you look at you look at the Bible and Jesus' time is way different than what we're in now, you know? So I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, now, is there, I was going off what you said Pastor Augie told me that he went to to Juarez and he he had he was praying for the healing there. He had a service for healing, and he said he saw miracles like he never saw in the United States in the Western culture. And he said he thought it was because in the United States we got medicine, we got doctors that, and so we go to the doctors instead of having our faith built and go to no, I did, absolutely, um, and and so you know. That's a whole nother factor in Western culture. Um, but God wants to break in amongst Western culture. But I, the way I always explain it is, is healing and doctors are on a parallel track. And so they say, well, do I have faith if I go to a doctor? Well, yeah, that, I think that's the wrong question. You know, doctors are there and they're ne- necessary. But we're contending for this miracle here. So we have a situation now. I just prayed for somebody with a, a it's manifesting and something happened but not 100% so I told her you stay on a parallel track whichever one wins out but what happens all the time is they'll turn to God the one time okay I didn't get healed and then 100% to the doctor well why can't you do both why can't you still be contending and saying okay maybe there's a stronghold in my life maybe there's an issue that that I have to resolve maybe there's whatever and uh and then faith wins out, you know? And so that, yeah, it is a problem. We can turn to a pill on a dime and it's easy, right? So 
Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I agree with that. Yeah. And then in that same, I guess in that same light, um, when it goes to cultures where Hispanic culture, right? And then there's different kind of cultures. When we went to Denver, it was multi-culture. There's tons of different ethnicities. Does that play a part in, or do you feel like, does that play also, or is that like more like a physical thing? Like Mexicans love tamales and they love menudo. In what sense? In the fact that they bring in their own, as you said, as you're a kid, like there's curse, yeah, curse. Oh, oh no, culture's playing it, no doubt. No, no doubt, culture's playing because you've got different elements uh, that are at work. You know, some cultures are steeped in witchcraft, uh, superstition, idolatry, you know, and so for sure. Um, and then, you know, okay, okay, how do I say this? Because people are going to be listening to this podcast, but, but the bottom line is uh, in El Paso, more than a lot of places, people are really freaked out over the whole COVID thing. It's a Hispanic culture thing. It's, it's a, it's a mindset. It's a way that it's kind of an emotional makeup and that's not a put down. That's just the, the reality of what we deal with. And, and I've, I've noticed that. And so that's just what you're dealing with. So you're dealing with people that are a lot more filled with fear and stuff. Okay. Well, that's a whole nother factor. So yeah, it's cultures play into it for sure. That's why I said to Isaac, it's complex you know, figuring all this out. And that, and you asked early on, do you get better at it? Yeah, you have to keep understanding these things more and more. And a lot of them you you determine based upon doing it, going there. And even you have to risk the fail in order to get better at anything. And this is true in this as well. So, um, One of the things I want to talk to you about, and I saw it a lot in more in Denver. It was crazy. I saw a lot of um I'm in I guess the healthcare field. So there was a lot more cancer patients over there. And cancer hits anybody. Rich, young, old, doesn't matter doesn't matter who you are. And I wanted to get your take, because I know you've always said this to me. You feel like the devil's like in a secret lab or in a lab concoct. Yeah, it's just my little this is my little view of it. Concocting all sorts of new diseases and stuff, yeah. What and I know you've you've you mentioned this to me before is that you want to see that breakthrough dealing with um, cancer. Yeah, and again, we have to realize with God is nothing. It's with us that it's something. With God is nothing. It's all the same to God, whether He's healing a blind eye, a cancer tumor, or whatever. Uh, the issues are with us, but the complexities. Um, you know, take. Take okay. Take the emotions that are absorbed over a process of a long period of your life that break the immune system down to the point that the cancer cell can actually now live in your body and yeah manifest. Okay. Well, there's a whole culture of fear when it comes to cancer. It's abject fear. People fear cancer. There's fear just of cancer alone. It's like one of the most feared diseases, and so. You're talking with that stronghold alone and trying to break through to people on this realm that God can heal you. Uh, but, you know, I just read something yesterday. I read a little pamphlet on cancer. Funny that you're asking on that. This I can't prove this right now because I'm not a, a doctor. I'm going to ask a few of them because I'm curious now. But that some of them have now identified cancer in the virus category. Have you ever heard that? Okay, the virus category. Well, if it's a if there's a, a potential virus involved in it, it changes the whole dynamics of cancer. I've always 
I've read it, but I've always seen viruses as almost their own little entity. Like they're an intelligent, the way that they function in your body and they morph and they adapt. Well, cancer does that. And so if that's a fact, you're talking about a demonic stronghold on a different level, right? And so, uh, you know, cancer is one of the most feared things in Western culture. And so once you get it, now your fear is even more off the charts. And um, there's a whole whole other discussion on that topic and how that affects you. And yeah, but uh, yeah, and I'm still believing that I, every every time I go out, okay, God, I, I will I will pray for every cancer patient. But at some point, God's got to start really manifesting Himself. But there's obviously something I'm missing. You know, others probably have more success in it. But I, I reason I pinpoint it is because it's so feared. And I hate to see people with it. And that's the reason why I pinpoint that one. Because if God could start breaking through and giving people hope in that arena, that would be awesome. And you say, it's interesting because you say, you know, there's a fear with cancer. Um, I know one of my friends, his his father-in-law, he, uh, he was going through life normal. Like he was like 67, 68. Um, you know, perfectly healthy to him, he thought. And then one day he had a stomach issue. Like he went to the doctor. Eventually they did tests and he found out it was cancer. But the doctor said, you've probably had this for a few years now. As soon as they told him he had cancer, he passed away within six weeks. So you say fear like that is true. Like a lot of things like that can accelerate things. Absolutely accelerate. So that's what people have to understand. Those are toxic emotions and they fill our bodies with with toxic elements that literally are released. I mean, it's it's not just me saying that. It's right, right. doctors will tell you that. And uh, and yeah, it takes it in the metastasizing of it just, just explodes. Yeah, it's crazy. So I guess one one of my questions is like, what do you see in people that? What do you deal with? Like, do you deal on like anger, like uh, depression? What do you see with those issues? Like, okay. If you have anger, you it's more than likely this set of sicknesses or this area of sickness. Yeah, and, you know, obviously we have the advantage of Pastor Mitchell teaching us this for years. And so, but like I just told a, a preacher, we were just talking about this. You can have this whole list in front of you. It really means nothing. It's no more than just, uh, okay, this is a, let's try this one. And, it, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of like the sons of Sceva trying to, cast out a demon in the name of Paul, you know, it doesn't work. You have to understand them for yourself and then incorporate them into your faith and into your dominion. And so, yes, uh, there are links. There's no doubt. Uh, I think I just read something that, let's say breast cancer, for for instance, breast cancer, the 10% of it is from mammograms because we have these things, anti-oncogenes in our bodies. And if somebody's predisposed for cancer, they've only got one. You're supposed to have two. If you have two, you'll never get cancer. The cancer cell will release in your body. They'll kill it, right? If you have one, you're predisposed. But if you get mammograms, because the radiation are known to kill that one off, right? So 10% is that. Now I get all the ladies freaked out. And so 10% is a predisposed disposition, something that's just true of you, whether it's an inherited element or whatever. That's already, and then eighty percent is spiritual. That, now, again, you read that stuff, and then you have to go through and process it and work it out. 
but you know that sounds pretty accurate to me you know 80 percent and again it comes down to uh like for instance like if you look up fibromyalgia and you just look it up most of them will say fibromyalgia is is connected to some sort of trauma or abuse you've suffered in life absolutely found that to be true seen numbers of people and these are not christian doctors these are no. not christians no that's just know. webster's yeah. dictionary yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I've tried that out, seen uh, uh, three in particular I could mention you right now, fibromyalgia. The most recent was in Andre's church. And uh, it's exactly what I went after, dealt with, started getting people on board with that. Boom, we prayed and broke the power of it and, and it healed the day. So, yeah, there are definitely things. The number one most toxic element that people deal with that produce the uh, – Opportunity for disease in your body is bitterness, hands down. And so you always hear Pastor Mitchell dealing with that. Well, that's because it's true. It's not. It's not just okay. Well, if all else fails, we pull out bitterness again and see if it'll work. No, it's true. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's close to all the time we have for today. We don't want to go overtime. Might have to do a part two. As always, again, thank you guys for listening. Um, we're on Spotify, Apple Music. Um, it's Raymond, my name's Isaac, and uh, you guys have a good day. Thank you very much.